Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, April 20th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, net income drops for AutoNation and Ally in the first quarter. Profits and margin fall for Tesla. And now that it's lost its EV tax credit, it just got cheaper to lease a Nissan Leaf. Plus, we'll hear from Lincoln's new president, Diane Craig, who tells us at Automotive News that it's time to pare down the brand's dealer network. We have too many dealers. If we're gonna be a successful luxury brand, we need brand exclusive facilities. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. AutoNation's net income tumbled sharply in the first quarter, revenue slipped, and the country's second largest dealership group sold fewer new and used vehicles. AutoNation reported today that first quarter net income dropped 20% compared with the same quarter a year earlier, revenue dipped 5% to $6.4 billion. Meanwhile, Ally Financial's first quarter net income fell 51% from a year earlier. It collected less revenue from financing and set aside a higher amount to cover potential losses on loans. Ally's auto lending business is the bank's primary source of income. It also recorded a significant decline from a year earlier. Pre-tax auto finance income fell 39% during the first quarter. Ally said its historically low net auto losses a year ago made for the steep year-over-year decline. Ally's pre-tax auto finance income rose more than a percent compared with the fourth quarter. Tesla is willing to sacrifice profit for higher volume in the short term. That's what CEO Elon Musk said during the EV leader's first quarter earnings call on Wednesday, reaffirming the automaker's commitment to price cuts after it missed first quarter expectations for total gross margin. We've taken a view that pushing for higher volumes and a larger fleet is the right choice here. Uh, versus a lower volume and uh, higher margin. Uh, however, we expect our vehicles over time will be able to generate a significant profit through autonomy. Net income during the latest period dropped 24% to just over $2.5 billion. Tesla reported total gross margin of 19.3%, compared with expectations of 22.4%. That's according to analysts polled by Refinitiv. The OG of electric vehicles in the U.S., the Nissan LEAF, has become a casualty of tightening battery sourcing requirements under the Inflation Reduction Act. The Tennessee-built LEAF, among the least expensive EVs on the market, is no longer eligible for a tax credit under new rules that went into effect April 18th. Nissan is acknowledging the model's predicament, and it's adjusting its lease offer. Nissan has dropped the monthly payment on the base LEAF model to $309 from $329 for a 36-month lease, and the lease down payment is shaved 21% to $1,999. The LEAF does qualify for a $7,500 commercial clean vehicle tax credit. And Stellantis has hired a new CFO. Natalie Knight is an executive with a Dutch food retailer. She'll succeed current CFO Richard Palmer, who helped orchestrate the 2021 transatlantic merger of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and PSA Group. Knight will become the top executive based out of the automaker's U.S. headquarters in Michigan with extensive travel to Europe and other regions, according to Stellantis. She most recently was CFO of Ahold Del Hayes, which is headquartered in the Netherlands 
and owns grocery store chains Food Lion, Giant, and Stop and Shop. Her career includes 17 years with athletic apparel retailer Adidas AG in the U.S. and Germany. Knight will take over for Palmer by July 10th. Stellantis said Palmer plans to leave June 30th to ensure a smooth handover after a 20-year career with the company and its predecessors. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, Lincoln's new president talks about why she wants to start trimming the brand's dealer network and get more flexible on its EV rollout. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. Lincoln's new president is working to galvanize the luxury brand's stalled revival by shrinking its dealer network, refocusing its electrification strategy, and updating its products to spark interest from new and returning customers. Diane Craig succeeded Joy Filatico in December. She tells Automotive News Ford reporter Michael Martinez that under her leadership, Lincoln will grow again. You could wave a magic wand and, and get anything. That's one thing from Farley, from board of directors or whatever, right? <laughs> what, what does Lincoln need? Uh, what would you like to see? What's on the top here? Yeah, well, it, it gets back to what my vision is for Lincoln, right? These compelling products that are irresistible. That's number one. And number two, we invest in services that are uniquely differentiated for our customers that they love. That's what we have to do for Lincoln. And I have the full support of the Ford Motor Company, from Jim Farley and the rest of the leadership team to make the next 100 years wildly successful for Lincoln. Let me ask about the, the dealers. What's the plan moving forward yeah. here in, in 23, 24? Yeah. Well, first of all, and uh, as I started the conversation, I learned everything from this business, and I mean that sincerely, calling on our retailers. They are so important to Lincoln and uh, their strategic partners to ours, to us, uh, and to me, you know, I can't speak enough about the importance of the relationship. Uh, they are the face of Lincoln in their community. They are the backbone of their community and um, super important to us being able to deliver on what we need to do, especially when it comes to the services. Uh, and that's why, you know, there's certainly been a lot said about Tesla and their model. And when I look at Lincoln uh, or Ford for that matter, but they are truly the strategic advantage for us and whether or not customers want convenience on their terms, you know, whatever that is in that shop by own with the infrastructure we have with Lincoln to be able to support that is vitally important. Now, having said that, we have too many dealers. If we're going to be a, success, a successful luxury brand, we need brand exclusive facilities. And we are working to further consolidate the network. That's certainly no secret uh, amongst um, the Lincoln dealers or the Lincoln team. And it's going to be really, really critically important. We're going to do that, certainly, in really close, you know, collaboration with those dealers that, 
you know, we need to have a conversation about whether or not they stay with Lincoln or not. Most of the dealers that we have are still dualed. And we love them as our Ford partner, but we're really focused on uh, ensuring that we have that brand exclusive experience because that's what luxury customers uh, expect. So we're going to work in close collaboration with our dealers as we further consolidate the network and get to you know, the right place for the brand to service our customers. What is the right place? I know after the EV certification program, I think about 60%. Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, all we know is we have too many. And, you know, as we get, you know, closer to, you know, especially, you know, as we evolve to EVs or even with the dealers that have signed up, you know, with our, our EV tenants, it's probably in the right snap bracket to where we ultimately need to go. Uh, and we'll work really closely with the dealers to get there. Buyout offers, is there something formal you would be handing out saying, hey, if if you don't want to join us, here's... here's we that. are talking to all our dealers that have Lincoln with, you know, what that would look like for them. So, you know, again, it's, I don't think it's a, a secret. I mean, of course, we, we want to have an orderly transition for them. We want to do the right thing for them as business partners. They have a business decision that they need to make about their investments with Lincoln, uh, as well as their investments with board and and we're going to help those that we really ultimately don't think that they've got a enough of a luxury industry that it's worth the trip to invest because ultimately they're business people. And, you know, it, it's but it's emotional, too. And I fully understand that. I've had a lot of conversations with many Lincoln dealers in the last four months, many that are my personal friends, you know, that don't want to give up the brand uh, because they love the brand. But at the end of the day, if there's not an industry there to serve, does it really make sense for them to go on this next evolution of these investments they're going to have to make on, on EV or, you know, just focus on Ford? And that's the conversation that I've had with many dealers over the last couple months. We want to do the right thing for them as business partners, um, you know, as as we, you know, go into our future together. Is there a time frame for this or is it just sort of rolling as, as you go along or is, are you envisioning hey, by the end of this year or next year. Yeah. You know, I would say that, you know, over the last decade, obviously the network has shrunk nearly in half. Mm. So, you know, when I came back, I've been away from the brand for some time now to, you know, basically be at 623 dealers. It's it's far from where we were when I bought, you know, it was 1,100, 1,200 when I was um, five, six years ago. So we've made considerable progress. We've done it the right way again and really close you know, dialogue with, you know, those dealers that have chosen to just go focus on Ford. And, um, you know, that it's it's been the best way for us to work together with our, our business partners. But certainly over the next couple of years, we've got more work to do. Speaking of EVs, just wanted to make sure, see if there were any changes to the plans. I remembered, right, it's three EVs globally by 25, a fourth at 26, 90% of volume by 2030 plus to be EVs. Considering that market and how fast it's growing or not, any updates there? Is that still planned? Well, uh, here's what I'll, I would tell you about me is uh, I've stepped into this job. I am not going to be making any declarations about how many EVs or what year they're going to come. When I'm ready to make a declaration about when we are ready to come to market with our first EV or second EV, it'll be when we're really ready to talk about it. The most important thing I am focused on is making sure that we have 
EVs that we bring to market that, again, are going to be irresistible, right? Back to that compelling vision on how are we going to really differentiate. So whether it's you know gas, hybrid, or EVs, that is the focus on making sure we have these unbelievable products that our customer is going to love. So that's number one. That's the focus. So no declarations on you know how many or confirming what was stated in the past. That's that's what I'm focused on. So uh, the past goals or targets. That's not the case anymore. Well, it's not my focus. My focus isn't on the time or how many. It's making sure we get the EVs right. And then related to that, so as I'm sure you know, we just went out with a communication to our retailers on deferring the timeline for the investment. And the main reason we did that is I do, or the team, do not want our dealers investing in EV infrastructure until they absolutely need to be ready for that. Because even what we've seen that has changed, you know, back to October since the show, and, you know, with EV infrastructure and the costs and what's required and, and as technology is moving so fast, even with these chargers, what I don't want the dealers to do is make any investment too soon, number one, or I have to be able to make that investment and, you know, as the technology is changing that, you know, could be outdated. So we want to make sure we're, we're just timing it right. We're being really thoughtful as business people, the investments they want to make, and we just want to make sure they have the best information available at the time so that they're making the smartest investments for their business. From our standpoint, would it be accurate or fair to say that if you're taking a step back and rethinking the electrification strategy? Uh, I don't know if I would say we're rethinking it. I'm just making sure that we get it right. You know, there's a lot at stake for Lincoln and, um, you know, we'd rather make sure that we absolutely, it's not so much about the timing as getting it right. And I want to make sure we get it right for Lincoln. Diane Craig is Lincoln's new president. She spoke with our own Michael Martinez. You can read more about their conversation at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to automotive news reporters Mark Homer, John Hutter, Lawrence Iliff, Irvash Kakaria, Vince Bond Jr., as well as Peter Siegel of Automotive News Europe for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on retail, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Jessica Gonzalez, Director of Lending Strategies at Informed IQ, about what's preventing auto lenders from using AI more. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.